1: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Basement Binge, a movie that I'm very excited to review. Since seeing it, I've been waiting for the chance of, to sit down and record this because Creed Three, as you saw the title, has been one of my most anticipated films of the year. I love the first film. If you've listened to the past episodes, you know that I previously hadn't seen the second one, but I did love the first one. Jonathan Majors continues to amaze me, and Michael B. Jordan was directing. It, the trailers kept exciting me. I was just really, really excited for this. So, let's just start talking about it with the first segment here, Two Cents. This segment is spoiler-free. Spoilers will be coming later, but if you haven't seen the film, feel free to stick around for this. So, Two Cents here, spoiler-free thoughts. And in all honesty, I don't even know where to begin with this movie because there's so much that I love about it. I have so many positive things to say. What I have to say first, though, for the Creed films, some of the two best things they did is moving to L.A. and adding Jonathan Majors it just completely changes the vibe of the film in LA and it works so well for this film. I mean, Philly was great, but LA works for Creed the way that Philly worked for Rocky. It's awesome. Uh, Jonathan Majors, he he is just the greatest of the greatest villain here. Antagonist. Uh, he has this exceptional role to fill and this villain, if you want to call him that is not totally black and white. You can't paint him into one corner. You feel such a range of emotions with and for this character. And The posters, as an example, of him sitting there in the corner of the boxing room, almost relaxed, staring you down, is the perfect depiction of this character. He almost feels invincible in the best way possible. I cannot wait to see more of Jonathan Majors in Magazine Dreams. And I also found out that Jonathan Majors is in The Harder They Fall on Netflix that I've been wanting to check out. So maybe if you want to review that, let me know, but check that out. And additionally, Devotion, which I won from Matt at Matt Goes to the Movies. So I'm excited to check those out to get more of Jonathan Majors. If you also want to win some movies, as a side note, go check out Matt Goes to the Movies. linked below on wherever podcasts are streaming. Uh, Matt's a great friend of mine. Also, be reviewing The Mandalorian over on that show. Anyway, enough about that. Let's keep talking about Creed here. Creed, as the series and the franchise, continues to push Adonis and his story and his family in great realistic ways. Nothing... In this is underdone, nothing is overdone or forced for the sake of drama or conflict. This is a real story with real emotions and legitimate stakes and decisions made by characters who are living their lives as best they can. Michael B. Jordan makes that work. He makes the emotions work throughout the entire film. On top of that, he also makes the fight scenes look and feel different but still feel fluid and intense and you're right there in it. Each Creed film has made the fights feel different and had different dynamics of it that I really, really liked. Each entry feels unique. And this is another example of it. They're, the fight scenes are quick and intense and slow and suspenseful in all the right moments. And that is also carries through the whole film, not just in the fight scenes. If you listened to my last review of Creed 2, I mentioned how I really liked the faraway camera angles, the wide shots. Michael B. Jordan must like close shots because you get a lot, even with the same DP, the same cinematographer, you get a lot of really super tight shots and it looks and really works well for the film. It it, it looks great. Speaking of Michael B. Jordan, he also is starring in this film. He's not just directing, but he and Tessa Thompson are amazing together. Their chemistry is just off the charts good. They feel like a genuine real couple. And when I got out of the movie, I was sad to find out that they weren't because they're just so good on screen together. Um, As I was driving to this movie, I was re-listening to... The She Hulk review that I did with Matt and Robert, Matt Goes to the Movies. And we were talking about how She Hulk and Daredevil had fantastic chemistry together. And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of longing for that again. And then this movie started and I got it. Uh, they, Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan and their respective characters feel like a real couple together. And it that's needed for the drama and the stakes of this film. And when I say stakes, I don't just mean like the fight. Like it's not just when you're losing a fight. There's so much personal conflict involved in this. And it, and it you need those characters to carry the emotions well as a couple and as individuals and they do that both um in addition with uh, mila davis kent playing amara their daughter they feel like a real family which adds to the story exceptionally well now michael b jordan also has great chemistry with Jonathan majors they work really well really well together there's this fantastic interview with the new york times that i'm going to link below that i really recommend reading if you can that reveals how the two of them kind of figured out how to work together. And they're both kind of alpha male status, but making it collaborative. And they've formed a real partnership and are talking about future movies. In the interview, Majors joked that they're going to be De Niro and Pacino, uh, as like a quip to which Jordan replied, we're excited about that. And I have those conversations with him, acting is such a solo journey when you're fighting for your place and that call sheet for such a long time. So when you've got somebody that doesn't care as much about all that stuff, it's like, let's go. How much damage can we do together? which Jonathan Major said, all of it. So I really do hope we get that because they are fantastic together. They, they work so well together. Their screen presence, even in this case, when they're antagonistic towards each other, it's, it just, it has an energy to the film that, that even still, as I'm just talking about it, I feel, and it, it's hard to explain and get from other things because they have it in, in bucket loads. And, and it's really true. I can't wait to see this film again because it feels so powerful and emotional. It, it feels like I need to go back again to get it all. And I don't think that the type of story that was Creed, I didn't think that that could be duplicated. I kind of mentioned that in the Creed 2 review. They're like, the story that was in Creed, the first film, and, and how it was depicted, Like that's something that can only come along every once in a while. And I, so even every time there's another, I'm like, oh, you know... Is it going to be ruined? Is is this character growth going to be undone? And and Creed 2 didn't do that, so I don't know why I was even still worried about that. But, but Creed 3 isn't the same as 3. It's not, it's not trying to repeat it, but it gives me the same vibes in that it's a story that can only happen from time to time within the right circumstances. Creed as like a, just aside from franchise, just Creed as a solo movie and the story that was told that was a story that could be told when, in those circumstances and makes it unique and that makes it powerful. And Creed 3, as part of this trilogy and the story that's been told with this character, this is a story that can only be told now and it works. Just, it is just so good. And, and to me, this is going to be one of the greatest trilogies ever. I, I, I really sincerely love it. Now, all the classic things that you've come to expect from these movies, Rocky and Creed, like the training scenes, the drama and fight leading up to it, the actual fight scenes, it all looks great. It's what you have come to expect at a, at a really high level. And this was shot in IMAX and it, and it really shows from the visuals and the sound of it. It was awesome seeing it in IMAX. It re- really just adds to being engulfed in that, that environment of it all. Adonis has a lot he has to work against. And, and in all this fighting and in this story, Adonis has a lot he has to work against. And what I love in these fights is that it's not just as much as this movie was inspired by anime that Michael B. Jordan has confirmed, he doesn't gain some, you know, to, to the negative extent, anime power from the, the, the power family. It's genuinely hard work that he puts in the character of Adonis and it makes a difference in the fight and in his life and, it, and it's, it's good to see in the story. And I'm kind of just jumping around here to my different thoughts, but I, I, I want to go back to, to Jonathan Major's character, Dame. As a character that's introduced into the series and to the story, the way that he's brought into it and changes the stakes is perfect. Um, and the way that Jonathan Majors plays him, he said in that New York Times interview again that, that we've had years with Adonis as a character, and now he has to come in and, and feel like he had a legitimate life and was part of Adonis's life, but he has one movie to do. He doesn't have two, and he does it exceptionally well. Um, it, it, it works so well. He, he isn't just a battle for Adonis the way that kind of Victor was. Uh, in the boxing ring but in life and that makes the story compelling here it's more than just a boxing movie it's it's not just the physical battle but all the battles emotionally that are connected to it now the other thing that seems to be everywhere that a lot of people talking about is Sylvester Stallone character Rocky not being a part of this you know a lot of bad blood between him and the producer here and not wanting the story to go to a certain direction and not being able to produce and not having the rights to a character that he pretty much created and all that and and. That's a bummer that he's not here. I like Sylvester Stallone. I, I really praise him in the last two films, particularly the first. But he's not here. And whether you want to admit it or not, it actually still works without him. I didn't feel his loss very much. In fact, if the, if the articles and the media hadn't drawn as much attention to him not being in it, I don't think I would have really noticed. Like, I would have noticed, like, oh, where's Rocky? Well, actually, maybe I would have been distracted by it more. I don't know. Like if I expected him to be here and he wasn't, I would have felt him not being here. But because I knew he wasn't, I was okay with him not there. And it actually worked. It, it, now, not just in the film world, but like in the character, in this character's world, in the in the story of Creed, and in real life, but connecting to the story. Things change. Life moves on. Situations adapt. And sometimes people in our life that are important aren't there forever for good and bad reasons. Rocky ended up where he belongs at the end of Creed 2 with his own family. Adonis was a great addition to his family. I like to imagine that maybe they FaceTime every once in a while, but he's where he belongs, and it feels natural, and it feels that in this time frame that they've had, that they've both moved on respectively with their lives and with their families, and Adonis isn't fighting anymore. Rocky was there to help him fight, and the second film was for Rocky was so much about him being with his family that it makes sense that, he's moved on. He's somewhere else. And, it, and as much as I love Sylvester Stallone and he was great in the other films, it, it didn't need him. The, the, the screen presence of Tessa Thompson, um, Jonathan Maters, and Michael B. Jordan, and all the other characters, but, but those three in particular, they make up for anything that could be lost. Now, the last kind of few thoughts that I'll say here, in, in all this emotion that I've talked about this film and how well it delivers, I never felt like my emotions were beated, being cheated. I did cry, uh, but that's just because the emotions were powerful. Now the only sad thing I have to say is that there weren't many people there enjoying the movie with me on March third, uh, which is when the film was the technical release date. Now maybe that's because they had a lot of like they had an IMAX event on Wednesday and then an early access screens on Thursday, and it was on a Friday at like one o'clock or something like that in the middle of the afternoon. Oh, but there were probably like ten of us in the whole theater, which was kind of a bummer. So go see this movie if you haven't already. Uh, so far, it's had a fifty-eight million dollar opening about half as much as ant-man for comparison even though that's not a fair comparison because this isn't a marvel movie and it it shouldn't perform that way i think that it's doing well uh it's so far at 62 million domestically and uh, 105 worldwide so i I think it's doing great i hope that people continue to see this movie i think the word of mouth so i mean i think the positive critical response that it's getting and the praise i mean it's currently sitting at an 87 on Rotten tomatoes if you care about that and 96 audience score like it's getting good reviews. I think it's going to get people to go and see it, and I, and I hope so, because people should go see this movie. So that's enough for two cents. If you want to support the show and you're enjoying this episode or you enjoy The Basin Binge, I'd really appreciate it if you leave a review on Podchaser. Podchaser.com slash The Basin Binge, linked below. It allows you to leave reviews, not just on the podcast as a whole, but each individual episode, which is really helpful. So leave a review. Let me know your thoughts. Maybe you want to see me do a review on The Harder They Fall or Devotion. Let me know. I'd love to do it. So all of that linked below. Moving on to the next segment here, Pick Your Poison. This is the rating scale here at The Basin Binge, all about the bingeability of the film. How how would I choose to interact with it after watching it this time? I think this rating scale is going to have to change. Streaming's really changed some stuff. I'm actually in the process of currently selling some of my Blu-rays, so that's weird. But nonetheless, the rating scale is currently, if I would never watch it again, if I would stream it, meaning it's on a service I'm already paying for, and I'm just browsing something to watch, uh, I would click on it. Top of that is rent. Above that is rented. In the right circumstances, I'd pay a few dollars. And then above the list, I would buy it. That's, that's the top prize I can get. And, and this is absolutely a movie that I'm going to buy. Even as I'm trying to minimize and have less physical movies here, this is one that I, th- I think that I will have because this trilogy is something that I enjoy. Um, I'm already trying to find time in my schedule to go see it again in theaters. Uh, this is a trilogy that I'm going to watch again, especially one and three that I think are the strongest. I already want to see it again as soon as possible, and I know I'm going to be seeing it again when it's released at home. So this is a buy 100. percent Now let's move on to the next segment. Live up. This is where I talk about my expectations going into the film, and uh, you know what I really thought about them. You know, was it able to live up to the expectations as the uh, the name of the, <laughs> the the segment really says? So outside of Ryan Coogler the, for this film, the writing and directing crew is very new and inexperienced. I think the most prominent like. Outside of Ryan Coogler, the writer with the most credits, I think, has three. And then this other writer has two credits, uh, one of those being the new Space Jam movie. So say for that what you will. And then Michael B. Jordan hasn't directed at all before. I love him, but I didn't want his first attempt in at something to ruin the potential that a, a third Creed film could have. And so I was, I was, I was really excited, but I was slightly nervous. And the movie started and all of that went away. I was just absolutely floored by everything I was watching. I was continually impressed over and over and over again. Maybe that's because becoming a director feels like a giant hurdle that I would obviously love to get over myself and direct. And I was just extremely impressed that this is his first entry. It, it did not disappoint. This feels like a full-fledged blockbuster. Now, he's got producers and writers and, a, and a, a first assistant director that are there to help him that are that are carrying a lot of that weight, too. He's not alone. I get that. but. Directing is a big deal, especially directing big stars and and performers that he is and action, and he doesn't disappoint at all. Majors was better than I expected him, and that's saying a lot. So this film really just exceeded everything I was expecting. The story was better than I expected. The emotions were just as strong as the best Creed has given in the past. It was just a win all around. Love the film. Really, I can't praise it enough. Spoiler free. You just need to go see the movie. Now, believe me, there is plenty more that I have to say about Creed Three. I still have to tell you about my favorite scene and eventually discuss Fall In, which is where I discuss the powerful emotional messages this film holds that are so amazing. But we're going to get on to that next round of the fight after this brief interruption. All right, welcome back to your regular scheduled program here. Thank you for supporting the show with your patience by listening to that on to the next round, right away with binge points. Now, I will let you know, these are where spoilers are going to come. Binge points are Easter eggs, detail, details, behind-the-scenes trivia, that type of stuff. And additionally, the next few segments, and likes. And my favorite scene, least favorite scene, and following where I get into the messages, is going to be heavy in spoilers. So, there's your spoiler warning. But binge points, Easter eggs, details, those types of things. Uh, this was filmed with IMAX cameras. Not only was it released in IMAX, it was filmed with IMAX cameras. It's the first sports film shot with IMAX cameras, which is kind of cool. And I love Michael B. Jordan's reaction to this. Um, when he was told that, he's like, oh, I found that out after we were shooting. And he's like, oh, that's nice. It's like an ESPN stat. I'll take that. Like, he's not overly dramatic or like um, pretentious about it, but he also understands that it's cool. And I, and I just, you know, that was a good solid reaction. Not overdone. Now, I mentioned that Michael B. Jordan did confirm that anime did influence this. There, There's some references when he's in, in the young Adonis' room. He, there's posters of Lupin the Third, Gundam, and Naruto. Um, Michael B. Jordan talks about the fight scene that he has with Jonathan Majors that's in that white void and how that was inspired by anime and how there's so many of those scenes where their fight isn't them talking and he actually had subtitles on that scene. Like He, he, he just does a lot. Um, he mentions Hajime no Ipo, I think is how you say it. Ipo. I don't know. I've never seen it. Uh, Megalobox and then some Naruto and my hero academia. So there's references to Dragon Ball Z everywhere. Clearly Michael B. Jordan is influenced by anime. So all you anime lovers, that's pretty cool. Now, some other cool details in the, the kind of the, not the prequel, the, the beginning, the prologue, um, young Damien kind of boasts that he's going to take out the fighter with a particular move at the end. Uh, which he does, but then at the final fight, Adonis uses that same move against Damien to knock him out, which is pretty cool. Now, as far as getting in shape, Michael B. Jordan always stays in shape. From what I was able to find, his trainer mentioned that he doesn't let him get more than six weeks out of fitness, so it wasn't too hard to get in shape, but he did have to work out 90 minutes twice a day, six days a week for four months to get in shape, and him and Jonathan Majors both look great. Additionally, I love to see Victor back. Glad he's on good terms with Adonis. And also, there's that reference to Wakanda that we all heard during the train and montage with that song. So, that's pretty fun. Moving on to the next segment here, Lease and Likes. My least favorite scene and my favorite scene. Now, before I get into my least or, or my, my least and like, I just first want to mention the sign language that I wanted in Creed 2 is finally here. And that's made even better that the actress for Amara, the daughter, uh, Mila Davis-Kent, is deaf. I just love to see that. It's sweet. It's a wonderful addition that was done really, really well, and I'd love to see it. So, talking about my least favorite scene, it was really hard to pick one. There's not particularly a scene that I dislike. It all feels really fluid and necessary and and, and just vibes well. But as a very, very minor complaint, the time jump in the beginning between like the prologue and then the fight in South Africa um, against Ricky Conlin and it's just like Adonis' final fight and then like jumping to him not being a producer, being like a an owner of the ring. I don't know what you would call it. A, a gym owner. <laughs> yeah, like... It's a very minor complaint. It didn't affect the film at all, but when it was first happening, like those first five or ten minutes, I was like, oh, I'm a little lost about what time it is, but I figured it out and it wasn't a big deal. Now, as far as my favorite scene, there are so many that I could pick from, but I am going to choose the final fight. I did not see that coming in the way that it would just went down to the two of them, the void, if you want to call that. And... It it was so well shot and so well done. Them fighting just each other, the younger versions of themselves, the way that the music cuts out. I just I just I just love it. It's just pure fighting. Uh and in, in that fight, not just in that void scene, but in the whole fight, and also all the times Dame is fighting. I love that they gave him such a different fighting style. I don't know too much about boxing, but but even just that, that the that, that physically the way he carried himself in the ring and the way that he fought and threw punches felt different, and that being unfamiliar, being surprised by him made the fighting more intense and, and more nerve-wracking, and it was awesome. And I do just love how Adonis did overwhelm him at the end and just won. The, the, it was just a sweet ending. It was a sweet fight. If, you, if that's a lame cop-out answer because it's the obvious favorite scene, I will also mention the scene when Adonis and Bianca are talking uh, before the final fight when he like, she first tells him to go and fight. I, I believe it's after Maud dies. Just the honest performance of Michael B. Jordan matched perfectly with the honesty and like demand that tessa brings as bianca like that is a real relationship and it's really impactful and the the writing is really well done it's not too heavy but it's really honest and and real and i love it It, they feel like a couple who really care for each other and want to work things out but they're also two individuals with challenges that need resolving as individuals and also the way that that influences a relationship it's just a fantastically done scene so with that in mind Let's get on to the last segment here, Fall In. This is where I talk about, the, as my dad always said, the moral of the story, the meaning, the message, the takeaway, those types of things. And as I start this, I want to correct myself in that I call Damien a villain at the beginning of this. And I believe that he's more of a foil to Adonis, which is a lot different than a villain. It actually makes him better to be a foil than just a villain. Uh, and it makes the movie more powerful because this franchise has a lot to do with figuring out who you are and working through who you've been and finding your own legacy within your history the first film was about Adonis forgiving his dad Apollo for not being there and this film is him forgiving himself for not being his best and Dame and Adonis both forgiving themselves and allowing that to bring their relationship together for the better As they're fighting, I love what Duke, the trainer, says, let go of whatever was and walk into what is. Like, that's just a very, very honest approach to what they're dealing with, which is powerful in this film because it's not just an action movie. I feel like it's more of a drama that has fight scenes. It was focused on Dame and Adonis. The boxing was just part of it, which is awesome because even with that anime-inspired white void where there's no speaking with each other, they're just speaking through the fighting you feel the emotions of everything leading up to that. It's not just the fight. It's, it's the drama of the emotions. As I mentioned earlier, in that New York Times article, Michael B. Jordan mentioned that there were originally subtitles in that scene that were going to reveal what they were speaking to each other, but he decided to take that out and just do with body language and grunts and that type of stuff. But it, it works really well. They're, they're, in a, they're in an emotional fight with themselves and with each other as much as they are in a physical fight. And it, it works exceptionally well. It's powerful because forgiveness for yourself and overcoming guilt is a mental battle, like moving on from what you feel is in the past that sometimes you want to bury and comes back up. It's fought against individuals from our past that sometimes are ourselves, and it may feel physical at times but but it's but it is mental and emotional, and it's just so individual and there is a way to get out on top, which I love it's It's just powerful stuff to that that journey that you have to do to forgive yourself, how real that is. As Duke says, you're out there boxing. I need you to start fighting or something like that. It's a great line. Man, talking about it again just makes me want to see it. I'm, I'm getting tickets to see this movie again. So the other things that I want to mention here and fall in Fallen, messages that I really liked uh, uh, that Adonis says to himself, quoting Rocky from the previous films, one punch, one step, one round at a time. It's fantastic advice for life, especially when dealing with emotional Burdens that might be this fight, you know because Adonis is now they're just fighting he, he's not just boxing he's he's really fighting uh against dame and against himself, and I want to get a little personal here, not too personal, not in a weird way, but um, I've mentioned in a few podcasts, so if you're new here, this is probably new information, but when I was a young uh, adult from the years of eighteen to twenty, I served uh, as a missionary for my church, so I left behind my life for two years and went and just Taught religion and that was coming to an end, and I was going home, and so my life was about to drastically change, and I was kind of overwhelmed. Like, what is life going to be like after this? You know, like, like I had just graduated high school and then left, and like, real life is starting, and I was kind of overwhelmed. And there's this individual who I really admired and looked up to. Uh, his name's Casey Craig, but he came to visit me on my last day, right before I was getting on the plane to fly home, and uh, he said, "How do you live life after a mission?" Which is cool because I, I told this story kind of wrong even when I was, I was being a missionary, sometimes it's hard, it's difficult. And he said to me once, uh, how do you serve a mission? And he said, one day at a time, even though it's two years long, it's, it's truly one day at a time. And so the callback is that on my last day, he came to visit me and he could feel my overwhelm and I kind of expressed like, I'm worried about going home and like being an adult in real life and things are changing and like his life can live up to my expectations and I'm going to be able to move on from the person that I was before this and be the better person that I want to be and all this stuff, it's heavy. And he said, how do you live your life after being a missionary? And he said, one day at a time. And I have to remind myself of that a lot. It's an experience that I really treasure. Now, just for a brief moment, sticking with this missionary thing a little bit, I am religious. I've been studying the Bible, the New Testament in particular this year. And in a recent verse that I read when Jesus Christ is teaching his disciples uh, in Matthew 6, he says, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof it's you know the, the, if you want to translate that is it's don't borrow trouble from tomorrow you have enough to deal with today in essence don't fight tomorrow's battles with today's energy that is true all the time but especially when dealing with emotional struggles like Adonis is in this moment and it's just powerful advice you know you can say it like Jesus Christ did you can say it like Casey Craig did one day at a time you can say it like Rocky and Adonis did one punch one step one round at a time but the principle is true you you got to live now you got to be now because your battles now, it's not tomorrow. You're going to deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. You're dealing with today, right now. And that's something that I got to remind myself more and more of. Uh, and so I just, I just really liked it. The last thing that I want to mention comes from this note that, that uh, Tessa Thompson revealed. Her and Michael B. Jordan went to marriage therapy together uh, as characters. Even though they have separate relationships in real life, they went together as characters. Uh, This is Tessa Thompson speaking. She said, since we've been making these movies for eight, nine years, we've seen each other through various stages in our own romantic things. So we know stuff about each other's lives. We shared and talked about it. So therapy ended up starting at work and getting more personal. Um, Also, is it just a chance for us to really talk to a couple's therapist and understand what are some of the things young parents who are trying to balance their own dreams and aspirations? What are the themes that you see? What are the things that might that they might be up against? What might be their impediments to happiness or success as a couple? That was really fascinating also to hear from her and bring that into the stew, which I just, I just loved because that is a huge part of it. As, as much as Adonis is fighting his, his guilt and his battle against Dame, the way that those emotional burdens, that baggage, that trauma, whatever you want to call it, influences a relationship is complex because because outside of the emotional difficulties, you're two adults with dreams and aspirations and you have a family and trying to balance that. That's something that I'm living right now, including the dreams and aspirations of, of content creation. As I mentioned earlier, like I wanted to be a director for a long time. I wanted to be a filmmaker and that's changing. Aspirations are changing with responsibility. It's a struggle of being adult. And that part is one thing that you do have to take one at a time, like I mentioned earlier but that's a real challenge in a relationship and it's a good challenge and it's totally worthwhile. But then you throw in all this emotional baggage that sometimes comes up from a moment, you know, like some individual from your past arriving or whatever it may be. You don't always control it. That suddenly gets incredibly complex and really strenuous on the relationship and can be really, really hard. And I love that they brought that into it. They're parents now as much as is Adonis, dealing with his past, it's Adonis who is now a, a husband and a father and a writer dealing with his past. It's different, it's com- more complex. And I, I I really truly felt that because I'm, I'm in that right now. Life as an adult is a struggle and, and you have to try and make it work with your family and responsibilities and understand how that family and responsibilities changes your dreams sometimes for the better and how sometimes in those brief moments when you see someone performing your song as uh, Dame's character says to Bianca, uh, or Dame, Jonathan Major's character, Dame, says to Tessa Thompson's character, Bianca, sometimes you have to understand that even in those brief moments that might be bittersweet, the rest of the moments that are, adjust, that are, that are changing that moment are further better. And it's, that is just really honest and sincere and sometimes not the best news to hear, but I loved it. What I love the most, though, is that Bianca and Adonis's characters support each other even when they aren't their best. In this particular case, Adonis not being himself, not not being his best, not being himself. When you're confused, when you don't communicate, when you, when you sometimes you take things out on each other, when, you, when your emotional difficulties affect your relationship for the negative, you don't give up on each other. You, you work through it. You learn to communicate. You're there for each other. You're compassionate. You're patient. You're willing to understand this person's not themselves. What's going on? Let me help them work through it and, and be demanding in the things that have to happen while they're working through it, but also not adding more pressure to it. And I really love that. I, I kept waiting for the moment when Bianca was going to come and add more unnecessary pressure to the character of Adonis. And she doesn't. She has very real pressure that, hey, you, you got to work this out. You got to learn to communicate. You got to learn to talk about your problems. You can't just go treat life like a punching bag. Your daughter has to see your example. That was real. I mean, like, that's a real demand. There's nothing wrong about that. But it wasn't some unnecessary, you're horrible, I'm leaving you forever drama that was unneeded. She's there. She's patient. She's supportive. But she's also honest about what has to happen. And so you just get all these complex things, dealing with aspirations and being a parent and being in a couple and working together through those difficulties as one day at a time, one step, one or one punch, one step, one round at a time, work through the emotional baggage that sometimes comes up, including forgiving yourself that is just a complex, powerful depiction of reality while you're watching incredibly directed and well-performed fight scenes with characters that are emotionally dense. And it's just powerful. It's just really, really, really powerful. And I loved it. So if you haven't seen Creed and you've listened to this all the way through, go and see Creed 3. If you've seen Creed 3 and you've listened to this all the way through, let me know what you thought of it. and. Maybe go see it again because it's that good. Uh, I really, really sincerely love this movie. Can't wait to see it again. Can't wait to keep reviewing some movies here at the Basement Binge. So we got All Quiet on the Western Front coming up, just so you know, and then getting back into animation season. Uh, Really excited with that. Animation Hall of Fame 3 coming back. So really exciting things happening. Make sure you subscribe to the Basement Binge. If you want to hear my thoughts about the new Mandalorian series that's streaming, go check out Matt Goes to the Movies, linked below. Also just Matt Goes to the Movies. Wherever you get podcasts, I'll be on that every week. So exciting stuff happening. Make sure you're subscribed. Thanks so much for being here. If you haven't heard it enough, my name is Harrison. This is The Basement Binge. That's all for now. Ciao, ciao.